Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John tries living in the moment and thinks I'm exactly 10% too negative. Meanwhile, I share a hypothesis about why conspiracy theories have exploded the past few years and tell the tale of the World War II pilot who had no legs and used it as an advantage, plus a conversation about the dangers of isolation and why we need each other now more than ever. Today's episode is not sponsored by September in the South. Let's all have a pumpkin spice latte and pretend it's not a thousand degrees outside. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Johnny, it's another episode of Talk About That, and I know the listeners are excited to hear where this goes. I don't know. We never know where it's going to go. <laughs> I know you're excited to hear where this goes. You know, we had a... I wish I had the clip from last episode, because we have a, a dear listener, our friend Larry, who built these this lamp behind me, and uh, many other things for the show. Fantastic guy, Larry Marshall. He listens every week, and he... I think he listens while he mows. Yeah. We have some people who they... We're a good They mowing. make it there. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of mindless listening. And, uh, just like which mind, is not a slam. Talking it's not a slam on us, but I don't think. Maybe it is. <laughs> I like that. I don't have to think while listening. <laughs> <laughs> you guys make it where my brain's just but evi- completely disengaged. But evidently, towards the end, we got into a conversation about how, like, we've talked about this before, about the news, you know, that it, you know, outrage is very monetizable and so if they can keep us outraged and we need just like good news there's no just like because it wouldn't sell right you know and then he goes then the show ends and the the last ad is for some good news you know <laughs> it was a good news podcast or a good wow. news publication i don't of even think kind. that was an algorithm thing i think that was just luck of the draw i guess so he just said yeah yeah so we blew it <laughs> so sorry to our sponsors who were like there's no way no one would listen please listen to the, <laughs> to good, the good news, news yeah podcast. yeah <laughs> so anyway sorry sponsors we'll do better i don't know if we will we'll never like get we'll ne- things we'll never get stamps.com because we're like stamps are a scam i don't know we'll just any <laughs> any potential sponsor will go out on a limb to disenfranchise them in some way <laughs> I think stamps are a scam, by the way. Oh, let me tell you. Probably not. Dave. I'm always afraid to ship things because I don't know anything about shipping. Okay. Do you ever feel intimidated by shipping? You ship a lot of books. Um, well, You've I, gotten better at it, though. There have been seasons I've shipped That whole thing books. about, like, <clears throat> Brian Regan has a bit about, like, the girth. They go, he calls, he's trying to ship some boxes. All right, well, now we just need to know the the 
width and like we need the girth. He goes, I don't know. He's they're giving him some formula. He goes, I just started making up numbers. Look, I've got three boxes. They're all the same, and they're all seventeen girth units. <laughs> just please come pick them up. I get intimidated though because I'm always afraid of paying too much. Yeah. Oh, or like that's why I don't ship merch ahead. Like if I have a you know. 50 t-shirts I'm going to go try to sell at my shows or 50 journals or whatever that I sell at my shows. Yeah. I'll just bring with me my suitcase and just bring a hundred pounds of yeah in my rolly bags because I don't want to ship them back when I didn't sell them all. I feel like I got, I have a weird fear of losing money on something worthless. That happens to us with Reggie's merch. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll have, have to, to ship it we back have home. to ship ahead mm-hmm. and then they'll usually ship it to his next place. That's cool. Um, but but it, that costs you money. Right. Well, and we so there's your, the, that, it gets into your profit margin where you're like, oh, I spent 80 bucks on shipping. I made this much, but then I spent this much on the product. So what did I really make? Then I pay taxes on that. I just feel like the more hands in that pie, I feel like adult. I just feel like, what am I doing? Yeah. And our first two books were Thomas Nelson and the last one is Ondervan and Thomas Nelson's warehouse used to be in Nashville. Yeah. And so I, we didn't pay shipping on the product we would go pick it up in a truck you go right. with me sometimes yeah that's what i do with shirts i have a shirt guy here yeah. in nashville in hendersonville so i just go get them well when they got bought by harper collins right. they got rid of that so oh. now we pay the shipping of the books and then we pay to ship them somewhere and then we pay the ship right. whatever didn't get paid to the next place it's a different Johnny, world it's a lot people suitcases listen. is a good idea you're doing good it is but it's i think about it all the time because i've been selling merch at my shows for about 12 years of my 15-year career. And I put career in quotes. And then you start thinking, and I literally, somebody was asking me the other day about it, and a younger comic was like, so blah, 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 merch. And they were asking me questions about it. And I said, I'm the wrong person because I've been selling merch for 12 years and I still do not know if it's worth it. Like I can show you that I made X amount of money on it in a good year. But when I think about the time and effort that I spent to make that, I go, should I have just been writing more jokes? Yeah. And getting more shows to make that same amount. Or are there shows that don't have me because they're like, this guy comes in and he's got this whole flea market he sets up. <sighs> See, like, is there a show or two that I'm losing every year because it's like a corporate? So. But a big, they wouldn't have known that. Yeah. How true. would they have known that? See, you no, know I'm saying like if somebody's turned off, they go, I would have hired him for my Christmas party. But this guy's going to set up Branson in See, the lobby. Because he saw you there. Maybe. <laughs> set up Branson. Yeah. I think that you always find like you have because I'm a forecaster of negative things. Yeah. You, no, I'm trying to be self-aware too, enough to well, know if I'm creating discomfort. But you go about 10% too far. Okay. Like, I was with you on all the things, and you just call it something just outlandish. No, but I'm saying, end. like, like if, and then maybe. No, but I'm trying to find a way to make that same money without dragging T-shirts all over the country. Well, Johnny, I can't help you there. Okay. I'm not giving you any more money. I do like, here's what I do like about it. Not even the money. We're not even talking about the he money. He doesn't even anymore. like the money, Let's say guys. the money was the same. I like that it gives me context to be in the back of the room or in the lobby when the show ends. Right. Because the shows where I've done and I go, they go, oh, we prefer you didn't sell merch. Like, that's some shows. Now you're just or, standing there. You're just standing there yeah. like you're at the end of a banquet line. With your hand out, just a shake or something. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. But if you don't, and if you don't come out, you look like you're big time in everybody. Right. And I like connecting. So it gives you a context to be out there after the show. Even if they don't buy anything, they can be like, great show. We loved it. And then they kind of look down at the table and go, I'm not buying any of that crap. And then they walk away. <laughs> but you had a moment with them. I agree. So I still like doing it. I probably will keep doing it. But I don't know whether or not it's worth it. And I don't ship ahead. And I probably will never will. 
Well, unless it gets like gigantic, and then you have to, right? You got to hire a guy just to be your guy. Ugh. Like, uh, I think Nate, our friend Nate Brigetti, I think he's so big now that he's just like, I don't sell merch at all anymore. And he was making, I mean, there's untold amount of money that he was probably making, but he had a guy that did it, and they would go on. That would be a separate, probably a trailer other, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And Nate just didn't even know he would just get a check from it, and he was just like, it's not worth it to me anymore. Yeah. I was like, okay. And that's like, well, he's probably leaving money on the table, but again, I th- he's probably just figured out that, yeah, but it's not worth the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze sometimes, come on, John. Come guys. Come on. As the I prophets wonder, foretold. I wonder if I could apply to be that trailer guy for a much, much lower price. That's what you do. You underbid. Under, undersell the, yeah. or undercut the yeah, competition. Yeah, you undercut. Um, I had someone interesting the other day. I'm curious how you feel about this. Um I'm against it. I'm. I found the negative, just like you, you said I would. I'm, I'm already. I'm going to say I'm already against it. I just think that I don't think you're negative. I just think that when it comes to yourself, yeah, you go ten percent further into negativity than you have to. A lot of it, again, I'm down for. Yes, this yeah. could all go wrong, and then you're always like, but then what if I'm losing work because somebody drove by in a car and they, you know, had yeah. their window down? Like you come up with some yeah. scenario that's like just you just go too far. You believe in yourself, Johnny. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Um, okay. But how do you deal with compliments? Because I was finish, finishing up a manuscript to turn into a publisher, and the author I'm working with, and there's another writer on the project too, and me and the other writer are both Enneagram Sixes. Mm-hmm. And like Enneagram Sixes in general, we don't like compliments. Okay. Or we have a complex relationship with the compliments. Mm-hmm. And so like she, the author, was pleased with our work, mm-hmm. and she was like telling us all these great things. And we kind of got into this conversation about why it's really uncomfortable for the two sixes to take the compliment. How do you feel about compliments? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I came up with on why I think it is. Uh, I think I, yeah, I'm, I'm not suspicious of them. I think I deflect sometimes less than I used to, though. I think in the beginning, like when we were in the band days, we were doing that whole thing of like, well, all glory to God, and we would, we were very afraid of someone thinking that we were prideful so yeah. if someone compliment, complimented us we were like quick to deflect almost to the point where it was like neurotic looking probably to those people yeah like what's this guy's deal i'm just saying like your song now i try not to you know like um i don't know man what's the old thing about don't let success go to your head don't let failure go to your heart Come on. Like, I think there's something to that. Yeah, that's good. When you're doing good, keep your head down. When you're doing bad, keep your head up. Mm -hmm. Like, I've tried to live by some of that. So, like, compliments and criticisms at the extreme are both kind of their own level of poisonous. Yeah. If you let them seep in, you start believing your own. If you believe, in other words, if you heard one compliment and you think, I I bet a thousand people think this, this person verbalized it. If, you know what I'm saying? This is a right. representative of my overall doing well. Yeah. And if you really do that, then that means that every person that leaves a negative comment on YouTube is a representative in your head of a right. thousand people or a million people, whatever it is. That if this guy had the guts to say this, right? how many people are thinking this and not saying it? So you you kind of have to treat them with equal kid gloves. Well, yeah, because that it is the same sword. But what's your take? Johnny, that's a take I'd like to give uh, after a quick word from a few of our sponsors. Oh, teaser. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. 
Together we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. So I had this idea about compliments, and I don't think I'd verbalized it before. I was like, for me, especially in a project like this, and I've differentiated, I was like, if it's an award, mm-hmm. I'm great with awards. Oh, okay. And the reason is... You get so few. You yeah, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but you got him. Hello. But you can't take it back. Oh. So right, that means okay. like it's, well, unless it's Reggie Bush with the Huntsman. Well, that's true. Did you get a free house? No, if they were to vacate award? my writing wins, yeah, if they be. were to like, <laughs> should you have taken those uh, inappropriate <laughs> gifts? Right, right. Did you go to a barbecue? It if I took inappropriate gifts, Coach Pearl's house. They? Where's the results of that? That's true. Um, but no. I realized like on something like this, if the author, we haven't got to the publisher yet. Uh huh. Like if the author likes it, and I go, yeah, man, we did great. You know. So mm-hmm. I'm just happy the author likes it. But then what if the editor comes back and is like, oh, guys, this is garbage. It's got to be redone. And that very well could happen. Yeah. Like, we want to go a whole new direction with this from where you guys went. And now the author may feel like, well, this – John thought it was good. Like, he's supposed to be a professional. So yeah. I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like, I always think it's good or I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to find the way to make it the best I can. But – Let's hold off, you know, like, and I'm glad you're pleased, but let's wait and see until, right. until we can't take it back. But, so what you're saying is like the final, but you can't let your, the final say be in the marketplace either. No, but once it's in print, then I know now it is what it is. Well, and also there's more people in the downline that signed off on it. So it's exactly. almost like blame shifting, right? You can be like, well, look, a lot of people said it was good. Listen, I loved having another writer for that very yeah. reason. I had to be honest with myself. Yeah. I would send her like my first draft and she'd run an edit. So when I turned it into the author, uh-huh. it was like, hey, me and her, she's already looked at this and says right. she likes it too. And it's like, now if you don't like it, you have to, you have to defy two of us. It is, it's like a symbiotic relationship in a lot of ways. I've, th- I've talked about that with agencies like, you have an agent, he takes 10%, and he does good, and you have to have him. And if you, you want one that does a good job, which I have one, thank God. Now, he's a friend of mine. Like, I really consider him a friend. But it's also almost like that 10%, part of what you're buying is someone to shift blame to. Yeah. Because you're like, well, look, I'm doing all I can. Like, <laughs> right. what is, you know, what can I do? I'm, you know, what's going on over there? Come on, man. And then he's doing the same thing with you. He's like, look, I can do all. I've right. done all. Listen, I've done the most I can with this guy. <laughs> Have you seen his jokes? Right. <laughs> like, he, I've taken him to heights unseen. Right. You know. Everybody wins by acting like that the other is losing. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird. And I'm not saying it's really that toxic. No, but, you're but, there, but there is a. Oh, it, okay. Yeah, that's that's. He's really looking happening. to take you on. That's. He's undercutting. No, he just wanted to talk about you. Oh, all the bad stuff. Weird. I was like, wow, this is, how did you get this number? I think my agent does think that I'm neurotic. 
I think he thinks that I worry too much. Uh, but I think I worry the exact right amount. Yeah. Nobody that worries a lot ever thinks they worry too much. I do. I think I do. But that's because of a lot of therapy. But don't you all – but what I'm saying <laughs> Beforehand, is – Beforehand, when I was just like you, Johnny, before but I – But don't not before you've grown as a person. <laughs> before I'd done any work at all. I was working really. on a bit about that about my brother because he's six minutes older. Like we're twins, but he's six minutes older. Uh-huh. And I was working on a thing about that because I have a bunch of jokes about him. Yeah. Like silly things he said and right. like he called us nocturnal twins to somebody he was dating. <laughs> and so I have a joke about, yeah, we're raccoons. We root around in trash cans. And so I wanted to kind of give him a win in the bit, too. And part of what I thought about doing was, like, because he was six minutes older, sometimes uh, I would say something and he would say to me, I remember when I felt I felt that way when I was your age, too. <laughs> <laughs> You'll grow out of that. Yeah, give it, give it exact, about give four it about, minutes. Yeah, about four minutes, <laughs> right. you're going to really see. But, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, you – but people who worry – here's the thing. All it takes is for one thing to go wrong that I have forecasted oh, exactly yes. how you forecasted yes. it. Yes. And then it feels like you – you, it props up more angst of like, uh-huh. I told, told you. you. And then right. now every you get like five free situations that you can freak out, you know, overtly about. And they can't call you on it because you're like, what about this? Yeah. I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm saying it is what it is. John. I have done it so many times. And I do. I'm one of those. I don't mind saying I told you so on this one. Yeah. I know that's a thing we're never supposed to say. Yeah, but when I told you so, and now something bad happened, right? Then I'm like, okay, the reason I'm saying I told you so is not because I want to be right; it's because I need you to listen to me so that something doesn't hurt us collectively together worse moving forward. Yeah, it's really more about that, isn't it? Weird. It's always like a future, mm-hmm. which there are. Well, it's hard to control the past, John. <sighs> you know, worries about the past are pretty futile. But do you worry about the past? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know why, though. <laughs> yeah, I think I worry. One, yes. I think I worry. What do I worry about the past? <sighs> I think I'm pretty good at letting the past go in my career. You know what I mean? Like, once I started doing this and I've settled in, like, this is what I want to do, and I think I can be good at it. So I don't, like, sit and dwell on, like, a lot of failures. Because I'm yeah. like, well, there's... There's always a chance to get it right. Right. And I've had a lot of really cool breaks. Like, I've had a lot of people that have helped me along the way. And so that's helped that I don't feel like I was cheated out of this thing that I was owed. So a lot of people have that. They get bitter. I've just never felt like bitterness helps. But I do think about, like, you know, missed opportunities sometimes where you go, like, oh, I didn't walk through that door and this could have been something or whatever. But generally speaking, I think everything that's in my career that's happened – I'm pretty happy, and it, definitely everything in my life, and my marriage, and my, you know, my friends. I feel pretty like everything has happened like it was supposed to, probably. Yeah, I, I think I live there with you on that. I mean, I don't think you do, John. I think you were trying to prove a point because you're like, you're like me, John. You all, Johnny, right? You dwell on the past, and you're, <laughs> aren't you haunted by the horrible specter of your past life decisions? And I'm like, not really. You're like, oh, me neither. Uh, me neither. I, we're both cool, right? <laughs> no, I really don't. I mean, again, therapy <laughs> yeah, uh, or recovery. I mean, I think there is a regret, not a thing I have a lot of. Like, I regret not being outside when my dog fell in the pool. Yeah. Like, I have that. Right. Well, that's like traumatic. Yeah, right. That's, yeah. And 100%. I regret, but like on, on career, opportunity, but career opportunities, things like that, or I regret... 
you know, usually if it's a life and death thing or looking back, uh-huh. oh, I wish we would have gone to this doctor for my dad instead of this one earlier or whatever. Oh, sure. Like, you know, you know, because you, you look at how things could go. Or I wish relationally I had made a better decision in how I handled something. Yeah, or um, done something sooner. Because when you do, even when I do something good, I'm like, I could have done this five years ago oh, yeah. and fixed this thing, this problem. Yeah, there's a lot of that, but it's not a. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm good living in the moment with that. Yeah, but I am trying to almost like, how can I learn from what that was, and then project it now mm-hmm. into my future? I immediately skip over the present if I'm not careful. Yeah, it's always like, okay, take that lesson now. Right. That lesson not learned from would be a waste. Yeah, right. And so uh-huh. then I'm now too far. Yeah. trying to apply it and become too cautious. Yeah, or too you know. You- I do that for sure. Where I, even in the present, I'll be like, I'm scaling it. I'm going. Well, if this worked here, yeah, what could that mean five years from now if I kept doing this? Yeah, and I've forgot to live in the thing. Oh yeah, because I'm looking at what it could be or what problems I could foresee or what greatness I could foresee. Either way, you're not smelling the roses. You're, you've, you've ruined it. Yeah. You, know, you trampled it. Rest and contemplation have been, I think for me, a lot, their ways, like I've written a lot about living the present. This yeah. idea, I philosophized, I've internalized, I've looked at the prism of it all. Even that is not living in the present Often I'm still, I'm still trying to treat life like a math problem, Uh but sitting, um, like I do the Lectio 365 app, which guys, I mean, we really highly recommend, uh, Lectio 365 and Lectio Divina is an ancient practice of praying scripture, but it's about 10 to 12 minutes a day. And it's just, listen to it more than read it, like listen to it. And you can do it in the morning and the night if you want. And then I'm also doing the daily office, at least the morning prayers usually, which are, the Anglican Episcopal prayers, but they're, they're again, things I never have done in my life that I find some comfort in right now, mm-hmm. but I will stop and pray my own things in between, you know? Yeah. But somehow needing that time has caused me to feel like I'm smelling more of the roses. Yeah. And again, I have a high schooler now. She's a freshman and, you know, like volleyball is crazy right now. And I find myself going, Phew, I'll be glad when volleyball season's over. <clears throat> and I'm like, this is I'm not sad about this in in some <clears throat> excuse me some way of like already depressed about it but like hey let's not hurry too fast even yeah. though this is a, a hard schedule because you only get four of these yeah in high school you know like and then it's over mm-hmm. um, so there's that sense of being I think the reason we want to hurry forward usually is because of the difficulty or the tension in the present instead yeah. of like realizing the tension is doesn't have to rob us of the joy that there's something there in the present that can be experienced as well. Yeah, I'll tell you something that really got to me the other day. I was watching this. There's this creator, content creator on uh, TikTok that I follow a ton. His name is Jason Pargan. I've referenced his work before because he's so fascinating. He knows a lot about a lot of subjects. Yeah. And he's this middle-aged guy like me, and he's on TikTok. And he's got this huge following now because his stuff is so thoughtful. I've sent you a few of his videos. Is he's this the guy that does the political stuff? Some political, but he has a lot of this just like about like life. Yeah. And some of them are even funny. And just weird. He used to write listicles and stuff for Cracked.com. Like okay. he's a he's a guy that just knows a lot about a lot of subjects and a lot of history. Yeah. So I've sent you some of his stuff, but he posted this thing that he goes, I don't really, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but I, he goes, I've been reading more about this one and I think there's something to it. And it was basically like, if you believe that corporations run the world now and yeah. they kind of are controlling social media and they're, they're pushing us a certain way, pushing society a certain way uh-huh. because we're all on social media and addicted to it. 
he said this whole movement of like quasi spiritualism on social media and and therapy talk that says get toxic people out of your life you're better off alone than you are in a toxic relationship uh, if they can't handle me at my worst they don't deserve that 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 right. church of that thought he said the conspiracy is that those companies push that into the algorithm more because people in isolation buy more stuff. Wow. Well, and they spend more time on social they're, media They're as well. better consumers. Yeah, they, they, they're on the apps more uh-huh. and they buy more things from Amazon and they buy more things from everywhere. They buy more things from Grubhub. So this is researched. Yeah, it's researched that this isolationist thing, which is scriptural, like you read about like isolation can lead to your folly because you don't have any counsel in your life. And there was another video that I saw where somebody was talking about how the rise of conspiracy theories and QAnon, the problem of it, and you see it happening in religious circles even, is the reason it exploded and just blossomed so much during the pandemic. And this was just a hypothesis. I don't know if any research has been done, but it really made sense to me was Let's say I watch a video and it says that there's lizard people, okay? And I go, oh, this is weird. But how did they find, like, how did this video find me? I'm not a lizard person video guy, whatever. You click on it and you watch 10 minutes of it. And then you have a weekly lunch with your buddies and you go to lunch with them and you go, I watched this thing. And the guy was making like crazy points, but he had one or two good points. Listen to this. You have a friend who's a PhD in your friend group that goes, Johnny, that's stupid, and here's why. Right. What happened during the pandemic was all those lunches were canceled. Yeah. And so you had two years. Some of these people had two years to go down the rabbit hole while the algorithm fed them all of this stuff. And there was nobody to to debate them or to smooth off the round edges even. Because, I mean, obviously some conspiracy stuff is true. Like there's conspiracies in society. Like it happens. But this idea that there's no pushback, and then by the time you do have that lunch with the friend, you've watched a year and a half of this stuff, no, and now you yeah. cut the friend out of your life because you go, mm-hmm. he's gone, he's not one of us, he's yep. probably a lizard person, like whatever you have to do. So it was interesting that that isolationist, and the point of his video was Jason's video was that even the things that we think are bad, like. Asking a friend to take you to the airport, mm-hmm. asking a friend to help you move, asking whatever, asking for help if you're having like an emotional crisis. We're being trained to go on BetterHelp.com or go to Uber to get a lift or to go right. to Uber Eats because I don't want to bother my friend, but I can't leave the house. I've got all these kids and I don't know what we're going to eat tonight. We need help, but I don't have anybody in my – we're being trained not, – not that BetterHelp's bad. You know what I'm saying. Right. We're being trained to – isolate and get help on our own terms in a private way some things are private yeah but we are we are uh creatures of community how we're wired and to now that we've extrapolated or extricated ourselves from that we're seeing the damage that it's doing interesting we're seeing suicide go up we're seeing all this stuff and just self-harm in any way not just self-harm in like you know suicide but self-harm in like destructive behavior like gambling addictions through the roof because now gambling can be done online and no one is there to see you lose all the money at the poker table. Mm. You know, somebody was talking about that, how gambling's the the number two addiction now after porn. So it's like it's been legalized everywhere and now it's private and they go, nobody's watching lay down 800 more on two lane. They're going to cover. Yeah. And then you get this weird rush from it, that risk 
But then when it's over, nobody's there. The shame of it is almost gone. Right. Like it, it, it takes away that community element of like around the table with your buddies at the poker table. And I'm not saying it's just such a strange, it's an interesting thought, but I wonder, and his point too, by the way, at the end was that friend who you asked to take you to the airport. Now, again, there's always the overkill of like the friend who does nothing but ask for favors and never right. gives favors. I don't mean that person. I mean, he goes, there are people in your life who are staying afloat because they know grandma is depending on me yeah. or my kid. You, if in your case, Sadie, I have to be healthy. Sadie's depending on me and it keeps you around. It keeps you centered. Yeah. And so it's good to need each other. It's not great. Like this idea of like, I'll become totally self-reliant and that'll be good. It's not good. No. Like there are things that are good about being less interdependent and codependent, but this idea of I'll, I'll make myself just a monolith. Yeah. It's never good. Like destruction comes from that stuff. So it was really interesting. Like this is a guy who's not a believer, but his content was so. I was thinking this is a through line of scripture about isolationism and. Well, yeah, Proverbs says, "He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment," which yeah. is what you just said. When you're isolated, literally, you've lost yeah. the ability. You'll break out against sound judgment. Someone will tell you about lizard people not being real. Yeah, or you just you like, defend it to the death. And know? of course. Like these apps that just want to keep us on the app longer, that's the only goal is like, how can we keep this guy looking at this more? Yeah. They'll send you more and more of that, and then you're. it's like you've built a new religion. By the time you get around somebody that has sound ideas for you, yeah. you've decided now they're the enemy because – You've had these ideas propped up in your head, and that's just – it happens to everybody. It, it, we're all – we could all be guilty of it and yeah, fall into it. it's interesting because I read that book about misreading scripture um, through Western eyes. It was talking about Eastern cultures being based not upon what we consider to be right and wrong as much as they're based upon honor and shame. Mm -hmm. And shame is one of those words. Even myself, I've spoken on shame a lot um, and talked about it in the podcast even – it's not, I don't, they don't mean shame necessarily in the way that we're using it sort of in therapeutic language now or even religious language. Yeah. You know, if we use it more as a juxtaposition against like a godly sorrow versus a shame that says I'm trash and God could never love me. Yeah. Versus no, actually I'm valuable to God and I was dead in my trespasses. I've been made alive and now because I'm that valuable to him. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 you know, both lead to a place of acknowledging you need change, but one, I don't believe that kind of shame. It's like self-defeating. Right. That kind of shame I've never seen with, I mean, the 15 years of all the thousands of kids. If a kid felt like they were worthless, it rarely ever led them to do anything better that wasn't just yeah. very, very temporary. You could maybe get a little bit of behavioral modification, but never like a heart change towards, you know, true right. future transformation. But this kind of honor and shame is more like it's, it's community-based and the family is intertwined. They were talking about even like... Uh, prearranged marriages and how that's such an affront to the Western mm. thought processes. But for them, there was a lot of, of course I would want my mom and dad who have lived, you know, 30 years longer as a married couple than I have any understanding of marriage to help me make a wise decision. That's going to be so big for the rest of my life. It doesn't mean ever, I'm not saying I'm not casting so wide a net that said everybody in, in Eastern cultures likes that. I know that yeah. there's, there's rarely a movie or a show. We just watch one of the night where someone's not upset about that, uh -huh. <laughs> but that's also being made by Western right. <laughs> companies. So I, I don't know, but he was saying having lived in Indonesia, the guy who wrote the book, like 
there was a lot of like, thank God I don't have to make this whole big decision on my own Mm -hmm. that I have a community. And it wasn't just about the couple. It wasn't just the good match of the couple. It was the good match of the families. Yeah. You think about how often the drama in Western culture over the families of two married people who did not have any interaction, any conversation about it because it was all left to, um, well, this is their choice, right? Right. And it, I'm torn here. I'm not. I'm not advocating, by the way, right. for pre-arranged marriages here. You're right. I'm just stating a, that for them, though, they would want to make a. Good Are you going to arrange Sadie's marriage, guys? I think you know where this is going, but I think when is the date? The, the, the idea was <laughs> 2072, uh, but the, the idea was like that they would never want to bring shame on the family or yeah. the community, even that that's the right or dishonor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would not do that. So I will do what's honorable for the good. Right. And it causes you, like you said, to to sort of be lost in the bigger story. Mm-hmm. One of the things I pray in the mornings right now is, God, I'd really like to be lost in the story today. Because, you know, I, and it was Tim Keller's book title, and I pray that God grant me the freedom of self-forgetfulness because – I feel better, and I think it's pleasing to God. I'm more useful if I'm not just thinking all day about how this affects me. And it's such a programmed thing in me yeah. that I don't know sometimes. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, through again, contemplation and right. spending time, like how can I truthfully pray as much for you or think as much about what's happening in your life than my own? And it sounds great. Uh-huh. And it sounds almost pseudo-humble me saying it, but the truth is I'm obsessed with self, and I believe that our culture kind of is. And it's okay that I have to make decisions for self or that I have you know, agency for myself. And certainly I'm not advocating for – I don't think we could take now Western culture yeah. and suddenly go, now we're going to start arranging marriages, and now we're going to start doing – I mean, I don't think it works that way. I yeah. think we have to pull back to what's healthy and doable within ourselves, but to recognize what you're saying is true, right. that there is a harm that is done when I isolate to the complete exclusion of listening yeah. to community in any way because I become now my own yeah. source, you know, or or I have a very small group of people, often I don't even actually know in person, Right, they're online. Right, yeah. and and I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a everyone has seen it. It's been everywhere. It's a true a true poll that was taking about who people listen to the most, who they believe. Uh-huh. Right, seventy percent, and this was of I believe a particular party, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it was of this person's voters. Of this person's voters, they believe seventy percent. That that's their highest level of. Yeah, it was highest on the chart. Do you believe this person's telling the truth? And then 41% was their pastor or religious leader. Right. And family was somewhere in between. Family was somewhere in between. It was it was just above pastor, but not higher. Much but, higher. Like 48 was your family. And I'm not making a political statement. I think the statement I'm making is is the people that you actually know. Yeah. Like that you actually met. Like that's when you know it's in the culture war identity politics has become a problem. Is like people that you know are normal, like. God-fearing, thoughtful people now register lower than your identity politic person that, that you've, you've never chosen. met. You've never met. You just go, yeah, but I know he's for me. No, you don't, man. That guy don't care about and you. And it can be on either side of the aisle. It really yeah, can. It, has zero it really to do. can. It's it, not about that. It's just about or an work. influencer. It can be the same way. Yeah. Like I, yeah, we talked about that. The the desire for your favorite artist or your favorite author right. or whatever to be a certain kind of person, an ideal, mm-hmm. to the point that. You can do harm. You'll manufacture things. it. You'll manufacture yeah. them as a person that you that they're like me. I bet. 
Exactly. We've all done that. And then when you find out they're not, it's so disillusioning. Right. You know, because and so it's much like, is riding on And they them. don't even know any of this is going on, by the way. They're just like, oh. And, they're, well, and you're, we're treating them like a commodity without meaning to as well. That's another part of like yeah, fame that's awful. Some of them want to be treated like a commodity because there's money to be made yeah. on commodities. But I think it's a it's just one of those things of the reason we don't do community. If you really want to get down to it, why do we not do it? Yeah. Is it's messy and, and we have to lose something. Yeah. Like well, I, yeah, and we don't ever want – yeah, you're right. Like that idea of being deferential to someone – feels like you're stripping away my freedom uh and we're that's a big thing yeah like anything that has to do with like well i'll do everything short of being disenfranchised right in any way yeah like i'm all in but you want me to what now oh, i don't know about that like that feels like fascism uh, to me yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah giving up your own yeah. even opinion well yeah. not an opinion deference is a great word again another proverb um, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing their opinion mm-hmm. so like at some let me point, stop you there and say what I think <laughs> I know what you were trying to say but but I think what you meant was but I, I think it, there's one of those you know and there's a great prayer in, in one of the, the closing prayers of the, the morning daily office that says you know let me not so much seek to be consoled as mm-hmm. to console and not to be understood as to understand. Yeah. Because in the act of needing to be understood, it's rare that I will actually understand. And so I have to disengage intentionally Yeah, and be willing to be like, oh, okay, there is another, forget just the word narrative. There's another truth. There's another stream of this truth happening. I don't have the whole stream. Yeah. Real truth comes, what does the scripture say, that a, a, you know, a triple braided cord is not easily broken, right? And we, mm-hmm. that's a community thing, but I think it's also a logical thing that the more I add counselors or knowledge or insight, the more people who are observing from different angles, yeah. then the better I can have a read on what this, the accuracy of what this actually is and not just my angle of it. Yeah. I definitely think that thing of like, like you say, we're we're pro freedom on like you should be able to choose your partner. So we're not saying, but we're also saying like our maybe our prejudiced view of Eastern culture, and we said, oh, this is. Can you imagine like the idea that we just let two eighteen year olds just go out like yeah, and with no, right. they're not even listening to people in their lives. Sometimes they're just running off, and they didn't like even go try to get the blessing of the. Yeah. You know, father, the bride or anything like that. Like, I know that's a very traditional thing and it comes from like dowries and all this other stuff. But this idea of no family input, like you are kind of setting yourself up. I think it's why you're on your fifth marriage, honestly. Well, if you would only listen, uh, we begged you. <laughs> I did have. A, I'm hoping this one with Laura is going to work out. It seems like it's getting pretty serious. It's getting serious. Yeah, we're 23 years in. <sighs> I, I uh, did have a teenager say to me the other day, like, how will I know, you know, how can you I think know Whitney Houston sure? said that. <laughs> and I said, well, here's what I know. When you get there, you should still be with the people that you trust as well. Yeah. And I actually told them, I was like, I remember I had some serious relationships. And I remember Johnny uh, and, and a few others. It wasn't like y'all said, hey, you shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know. But there was like caution. Mm-hmm. Hey, 
this is something like, and I didn't like it. I'd fight against it and defend right. and all the things, but in the end, it planted enough of like because I cared about your opinion. I know that you're on my side and you're not trying to deny me my right. choice, or mm-hmm. you don't want me to live unhappily either. You actually want the opposite. So when you really start and don't like uh, betray yourself, like we betray ourselves whenever we stop listening to people that care about us. Yeah. We're actually betraying what we know to be true in order to hold to something else we want to justify. And so if that person if that person has bad judgment and you still love them, then that, that has a different story. But if that person generally walks in good judgment and there is a, a group who has accurate viewpoints who are believing something, then it's at least worth listening to. Mm-hmm. And I know that that doesn't make a great episode of a, or a great you know Nicholas Sparks movie because it has to be that you and the other person the only ones who knew yeah. and it's like and of course the dads in the story usually are the idiots right who don't get it you know um, and maybe we are at times uh, uh, this would be a talk to remember that's what this <laughs> podcast would be if it was a Nicholas Sparks <laughs> it would be the podcast it would be about a podcasting dad see Mandy Moore listened is, no, she didn't do everything her dad wanted. I talked to remember. But she did listen to her did dad. Did he write? Is he the one that wrote uh, The Fault in Our Stars, too? Did he do that one? I can't remember who did that no, one. No, I don't think he did. What about The Horses? Stars. That's, no. What would you? What would be our podcast name for that one? Uh, I thought you were going somewhere. Sorry, I set you up and I now just left you No, it there. would be a talk to remember, but I'm saying, like, I want to write a, a, a young adult book. I had an idea for a young adult book, and it was about a two- uh, teenagers who fall in love while caring for dying flatulent horses and it's called the farts in our stalls it's available uh at penguin publishing later this year that's beautiful you like that I, you don't you don't tell a lot of fart jokes I, well they have to be but that was that was well uh, articulated that's a sophisticated that was, that was a sophisticated fart joke <laughs> Guys, I apologize. That's kind of that will be the byline of this podcast. It's like a sophisticated. It's a, it's fart a sophisticated joke. fart joke, right? The whole thing for the whole family. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know, John. Well, yeah, we've we, talked about we've talked about not looking back or not looking back as a way to project right. to your future and then miss the present. Oh, but John, I think it's important sometimes to look back because if we don't learn from our history, we're in danger of repeating it, just like eighth grade social studies. And so, <laughs> let's go back this week in history, John. It's the same we like to call talk about then. Born today, John, uh, Daryl F. Zanuck. Uh, he is an American Oscar-winning movie producer and executive, co-founder of 20th Century Pictures, 1933. 1946, he predicted the quick demise of television, stating, quote, people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. Mm. I love quotes like that that are kind of like foreboding of like this guy. You know, I wrote for Mr. Haslam. Yeah. And he, his story, he loves this to tell it is he came out of college he was out of the military and he had he was newly wed mm-hmm. and there was this guy who owned a gas station who was like you can come work for me at this gas station La Follette right and then he had an interview in marketing at one of the new TV stations in Knoxville mm-hmm. and he turned down the TV job because he went home and told his wife this will never last yeah TV won't make it Right. And he makes fun of himself so much. Now, he went on to own the pilot corporation of... He did okay. He, he did okay. Yeah. It, it turned he out... He lived to take further risks. Right. But it's so he funny. He knew fossil fuels would last. <laughs> right. Although, who knows? Let's see how... he got. He's going to get out at the right time, probably. He's in his 90s, right? Yeah. So, right as we're going to full-on EV, he'll be... Well, pi- pilot was just now... Uh, uh, <sighs> what? 
Berkshire Hathaway. Oh well, now has a controlling interest in in Pilot. So that's been over, over the last like five years. That's public knowledge. So, I don't know what Berkshire Hathaway is. It that's Warren, fair. Warren Buffett. Oh, okay. Yeah. All so right. yeah. So he did. Yeah. The of the Long Island Hathaways? I don't know anything about uh, This week, John 1975, Charles Manson followers Squeaky Frome attempted to shoot President John. What, what year? This was 1975. That'd be Ford? Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. Do you know that t- within two weeks, there were two assassination uh-huh. attempts on him? Yeah. I did not realize. I knew Squeaky Frome and the gun misfired. She didn't know anything about the gun. She was a, you know, she was just a hippie that followed Charles Manson. Her name was Squeaky. Well, yeah, she they heard her coming. I don't know. Uh, so she was about she was about an arm's length from the president when this all went down. So I don't know how Where she got were that. Where agents? This was on the grounds of the California State Capitol building. She mm. tried to shoot him with a pistol. The gun failed to fire. No one was injured. From apparently didn't know how to operate the gun. She was quickly apprehended at the scene. She said she wanted to make a statement to people who refused to halt environmental pollution. And how better, John? Right, than to kill the president. Yeah, that will. Uh, and during the trial, she threw an apple at the prosecuting attorney, knocking off his glasses. <laughs> That's a little factoid. She spent 34 years in prison, was released in 2009. Ford gave a videotaped testimony at the trial, making him the first U.S. president to testify at a criminal trial. Huh. There's another little wow. trivia Check for out. you. Two weeks later, Sarah Jane Moore would attempt to assassinate Ford as well. Wow. And she got the shot off, but somebody, uh, Secret Service deflected her hand. Wow. Like grabbed her arm, and so the shot went awry, or who knows what, what could have happened. That would have altered history for sure. Wow. Um, the first legal forward pass in football was this week, 1906, John. St. Louis University's Bradbury Robinson throws one against Carroll College. Robinson's first attempt at a forward pass was incomplete and resulted in a turnover according to 1906 rules. I don't know how the rules would have been different. but He did complete a 20-yard touchdown pass to Jack Schneider later in the game. Illegal. And experimental forward passes had been attempted as early as 1876, but this was the first legal forward pass in American football after the change in rules. It still remained a seldom-used play until the famous first Army-Notre Dame game where Charlie Gus Doré and receiver Newt Rockney wow. were able to use this forward pass to counteract Army's size advantage. Till that time, receivers would come to a stop and wait for the ball, but he passed to Rockney while he was in full stride. And so that was kind of when you had the first, like, caught him running, and huh. he's able to take it in yards after the catch. Yak, we call that in the industry. Oh. Um, okay. I know a lot about athletics. Yeah. American football would never be the same again as the forward pass went from a seldom-used play to a major strategy of the game. And, uh, you know, Tennessee, looks like we could be okay this year. What do you think, John? Uh, what's, read, your, what's your guess? How many wins? Ten wins. Ten wins. That we had 11 gonna, last year, so I'm bringing it down. We're beating Georgia or Bama, or we're losing to both of them? Uh, is that your two law, three losses? One, two of your three those, losses? Those are the two losses. You only have us losing to Georgia and Bama. Okay, who else is going to beat us? Or who are we playing in the West, LSU or Auburn? A&M. We can beat them. A&M's good, but... They are, but we're better. We've got look, Florida and the Swamp in two weeks, Johnny. This yeah, is what it's all should, about. This is when you take advantage well, of the Well, but here's the thing. Don't They're going to be mad. I the know. Swamp is worth 14 points. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's I think... Isn't that true of life? Pres- President Lincoln said that. <laughs> uh, here's one, John, uh, as we wind down the show. The legless flying ace died September 5th, 1980... Wait. No. That's not right. That's wrong. Died September 1982. Born 1910. British flying ace Douglas Bader. 
Listen to this guy's story. His loss of his legs gave him an advantage in combat over other pilots. In 1931, Bader lost both of his legs in an RAF plane crash while performing aerobatics. So he was in like a Blue Angels type. (laughs) Loses both of his legs. After recovering from the accident, he retook flight training and requested reactivation as a pilot, but was retired against his will on medical grounds, which would make sense. But when World War II broke out, he he reapplied and was eventually accepted. His lack of legs proved a benefit to combat flying. Do you know why, John? I don't. I... When flight, when fighter pilots make hard turns, the high G-forces will cause them to black out sometimes as the flow of blood from their brain drains to their legs. Due to his lack of legs, Bader was able to withstand the higher G-forces than other pilots. Come on. So it gave him, it was like a body hack. Oh, my He was gosh. accidentally a superhero. Wow. So he could do crazy things in the air and avert. Hey, this is when we write our screenplay. Right it's now, pretty there's good. There's a strike. We write the screenplay. It's pretty good. In 1941, uh, his plane was down, and he spent the rest of the war in POW camps. He is credited with 22 aerial victories, four shared victories, six probables, one shared probable, and 11 enemy aircraft damaged. This guy's got the stats. Wow. And it was because he had uh, the extreme advantage of having no legs in the air. Won't won't God take something that's a disadvantage and make it? I mean. Won't he? He does. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's go somewhere else here. Jesse James, born this week, 1847, yeah, died. eighteen eight. Do you know how Jesse James died? Um, First of all, he fought with Confederate guerrillas yeah. during the Civil War. I didn't know that. A, that's lot, not a lot of that's the not Western not a, outlaws were Confederate. That's not great. That's not a great... Uh, no. He was already probably problematic by right. our modern standard. Any, already, any Old West gunslingers, not like... Yeah. You wouldn't want to hang out with them, I don't usually. Know. Maybe it was like the, you know... But Jesse James, especially problematic, he was shot by a member of his own gang to collect the reward of $10,000. So somebody just basically shot him in the back yeah. to collect a reward. Took down the most notorious. Yeah. Hit. Yeah. That's uh, that's a sad end. His brother's name? Frank? Yep. Frank James. Frank James. Two first names. Yeah. Frank, Frank and Jesse James. I guess Jesse James is two first names, too. Well, your, the likelihood sounds, of having two first names, if your last, name, if your last is James, name is James, is pretty high. First name, Smith. No, James James. The name Smith James. Jim James. Uh, last two, John. For, uh, born this week, 1939, George Lazenby. Do you know who George Lazenby is? Oh, yeah. No. Really? Help He's me. probably the least regarded James Bond. He did one film. It was called In Her Majesty's Secret Service, 1969. Is this so before? you had Connery. It's after Connery, before Roger Moore, before... Oh, I know there was somebody between Connery and Moore. I, maybe it was before Connery. It was 1969, so I think you had a few couple of Connery films before him. And then maybe he wanted... I can't remember why. I'm not a Bond guy. Yeah. So I can't remember what the reason was that they insert Lazenby. He was an Australian guy. And that movie is considered the worst Bond film. Like, he's considered the one where he's like, this guy. Ugh. So he's uh, like he's like the uh, the Val Kilmer Batman. Yeah, right? a little bit. Which yeah. I love Val Kilmer, but yeah, but come on, man. Yeah, you 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 had locked in your mind on Keaton. Of course, then they just went on to just anybody that wanted to be Batman. I'm Batman <laughs> in the next one. I think everybody gets to be Batman at some point. At this point, uh, finally uh, died September 1997. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Hmm. And um, oh man. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, Yugoslavian-born Nobel Peace Prize-winning missionary. She's called the Living Saint. She dedicated her life to the poor and sick of India. 
And uh, I think about Mother Teresa a lot, actually, especially for a Protestant. I think I think about her probably a lot. You quote her a lot. Yeah, she had some amazing – and I'm sure she was a problematic – She everybody's flawed. Sure. But I just think that some of the things that she said and did in her perspective were, are fascinating to me. One of my favorite quotes of her is they were doing an article about her – we may have talked about it on the podcast before, but they were doing an article about her for some Christian magazine or some Catholic magazine, and she said, um, "They said you're bringing uh, you're bringing Jesus to Calcutta," and she said, "No, I go there to meet my Lord." Yeah, and I, I've always thought about that about the idea that like she saw Jesus in the face of those people that she was serving. Yeah, and um, and that's that's what Matthew twenty five is about. So mm. she really like it jumped off the page to her, and she really felt that way, and that was her perspective. So anyway. No, it's good. I mean, there's so much. Again, I'm I'm exploring a lot of different. Again, uh, they're mostly Protestant, but I I read books by you know different Catholic theologians and others too. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think that that there's a wider world that our yeah. evangelical world sometimes is not all bad, uh, but sometimes I think we yeah, weren't highly exposed yeah to a global church right right you know perspective. So yeah, that's great, and um, appreciate her work, and hope lots of people will follow her footsteps because uh, that's what we do to follow Jesus, right? We right, yeah, that's great. Hey, uh, Johnny, did you know that we had a, a couple new reviews? Oh no, what's going on? It's, people are people are chiming in. Yeah, we enjoy I mean, that I'm, so much. You know, you can go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Oh, it's great. You can send us a note. There's a little comment bubble. You can support the show. Upper right, there's a link there. You can watch old episodes. We have 270 plus episodes. Oh. And if you go to the Apple Podcast, whatever your platform of your choice, you can leave a review, and we'll probably read it on the air, unless it's super hateful. Yeah. Even then, though, we might enjoy that. That's true. Because we had the microphones. Yeah. Right? We can embellish. We can, like, isolate ourselves. We can psychoanalyze. What's this guy's deal that right. made him write this? Yeah, we what's can going guess on, on it. Yeah. Right. And not it can't be our us. problem. No. Everything we talk about. Uh, this one is uh, entitled... Mm. So relatable. Oh. Double exclamation point. Okay. Five stars. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, I've been binging this podcast for the last two weeks. I love the banter between these guys. They're positively hysterical, but also very thought-provoking and obviously deep thinkers and very intelligent. So, so good. That's from Seek to Be Fit via Apple Podcasts. This is you, right? You You wrote this. I don't know. It's not, but I feel like this person gets it. You know what I'm saying? They seem like they have a handle on, like, you know? Yeah, like, and of all the people mm-hmm. that we've heard from, right? I mean, this was another one that I think really. Some people see the world as it is, right? You know, and they're like, I, I think I understand, and it's important that those people leave us a review. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? If though? you don't like us. You're probably not really listening. No, you haven't got this far anyway. At this point, all yeah. of you hearing right now, uh-huh. especially if the music's already started, you know, as soon as Laura will be like... I want to say something at the end that then goes into an ad that <laughs> contradicts it. So what can we... I'm trying to think what we could do. What would it be? I don't know what it might be. I don't know. You know what I hate? The Home Depot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> It'll be... <laughs> we do get Home Depot ads. I used to work for Home Depot, so I could never speak yeah. truly ill of them. Although, I will say this... There was a time when I probably would have taken it out at Home Depot, and you get older, you realize, man, I was a bad employee at Home Depot. Yeah. They were. I was lucky to hang on to that job for the three years I was there. Yeah, like that was. They were. You talk about walking saints. 
There was a couple of Mother Teresa assistant managers that yeah. kept, kept me alive there. They were like, you know what? We could fire him easily for cause, but, but he's making $6 an hour. What's the point? <laughs> they kept me around. I was a newlywed. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. I bet you're better than you think. <sighs> it was rough. That's okay. Yeah. I, I, I think I did the best with the tools that I had at the time. I have better tools now. And part of those tools is realizing, man, I was kind of a punk 20. 22-year-old or whatever. I thought you were going to say that part of those tools came from Home Depot. Cause they, they did. Stri- tools. I, I stole tools. I stole the tools. <laughs> and now a word from Home Depot. <laughs> anyway, read the review. Oh, you read the review. So if you want to leave another review for us. Guys, oh, it's so helpful. It helps people find the show. That's a big thing. The almighty algorithm, blah, blah, blah. We all know about that. So they like, you know, not just like if you leave a five star and you just click and you don't leave words, that's one thing. But another level is to leave like actual yeah. why you like the show. Yeah, means a lot to us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'd said a minute ago, something's better than you think. You know what else is better than you think? What's that? JohnnyW.com. It has to be better than you think because our the standard is, is so low. Yeah. <laughs> it's J-O-N-N-I-E. Uh-huh. I understand sorry. it's an unorthodox. I'm, I'm sorry about yeah. that spelling. That's on me. He when didn't you, have to do when it. When you start your career, you just go, oh, this will whatever. And you don't realize people are going to be trying to find you. Yeah. And they're going to throw an H in there every time because it's the traditional spelling. You would be so huge right now. If yeah, that's the reason. Yeah. See another blame shifting. That's it. If I throw these little things, I'm like I could have been huge if I just put an uh, H. And instead, it's my terrible, terrible comedy. Mine is because I don't have hair. I would be. I lost a lot with the hair. I don't think so. I do. I think I'd be. I a, think you got a good head though. You got a. I'd be a senator. You don't see a lot of bald senators. No, you don't. I mean, until they're like in their eighties, but they had a big head of hair when they got elected. Even like Bernie Sanders is like a cartoon character. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of an extremist. People kind of see him a certain way. And that's how they see me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But Bernie Sanders has been doing it a long time. I mean, I he had hair when he started. He pulled it out because of the electorate. Oh. Probably. I don't know. Because of you people. <laughs> Don't we have Bernie Sanders campaign after this now? <laughs> I'm Bernie Sanders. That's my Bernie Sanders impression. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Hey, guys, uh, thanks for the time uh, that you spent with us. We can't wait to see what this ad is next. <laughs> it's going to be great, but we'll see you next week on Talk About That. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.